It's September 15th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. I've got three briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First up, Joe Biden's son Hunter was charged with felonies yesterday related to his illegal possession of a gun. I'll give you the details on that with a focus on why this matters. Second, the U.S. is facing another government shutdown in just a couple weeks time all over the federal budget. We'll talk about why you and the White House should definitely care. Third, the British government is warning its citizens today that the Chinese spies of the world are actually in their midst. I'll share why that matters, not only in the UK, but here in America, too. Later, we close out the podcast with a listener question. This one is about how religion impacted my time at the CIA. I've got a few examples, plus something you might not know. The CIA is a great dating scene for Mormons. Yeah. But first, let's get to our top story of the morning. Joe Biden's son, Hunter, charged yesterday with three felony counts related to his unlawful possession of a firearm. The three charges include making false statements on a federal firearms form and possession of a firearm as a prohibited person. As folks probably know, he was prohibited because he was using crack cocaine at the time, but swore on a form that he was not. Hunter will now have to surrender uh, to federal authorities to face these charges, although exact timing and location of that remains to be seen. Hunter is apparently in California at present. He is now a painter there. He sells pieces of art for over $200,000 a piece to mysterious buyers, despite the fact that he has no formal art training nor any demonstrated talent. Hunter's lawyers, as you would imagine, were very upset by these latest charges yesterday. Uh, They thought that they had a deal back in July with the U.S. government regarding this matter, but that deal collapsed all because of a very skeptical judge and, frankly, some public pressure. Now, to recap that, as listeners will recall, the judge was not buying the original plea deal. As she pointed out, the defense attorneys and prosecutors, they had no idea what the other was talking about regarding terms of the plea. So that tanked that. Meanwhile, there was also immense public pressure that stemmed in part from the testimony of two IRS whistleblowers who shared that the investigation into Hunter and Joe Biden was thwarted repeatedly by senior DOJ and FBI officials. But but no matter, Hunter's attorneys reject any allegations against their client. They said yesterday that they blame the collapse of that plea deal on, quote, MAGA Republicans and their improper and partisan interference in this process. End quote. So that uh, Hunter Biden lawyer, Mr. Lowell, went on to say this. Hunter possessed the illegal gun, that is true, but only for 11 days all the way back in 2018. And when he did, he was not a threat to public safety when he owned it. But to be very clear, the only reason that Hunter had that gun for only 11 days was because his girlfriend took it from him and threw it in a dumpster. Right, His girlfriend at the time was also his brother's widow, And she was afraid for her life, she said, and for his life, too. That's why she threw it away. And by the way, when she told Hunter what she had done, Hunter was outraged, demanded that she go back and retrieve it, and she did. But by the time that she got back to that dumpster, the gun had disappeared. By the way, we know all of that because of some text exchanges that were found on Hunter's laptop that he abandoned 
And that is now in the possession of various media outlets and the FBI, which has verified it as real. And now Hunter Biden himself has verified that it's real. And that is because he is suing a Trump era official for publishing uh, it online, which takes us to this. On that laptop, we have not only confirmation of these gun crimes, but also perhaps more critically, evidence related to the foreign business deals and the tax avoidance of what turns out to be the entire Biden family. And that arguably is why we should care about this development. In other words, how does this gun charge impact the remaining issues of these credible allegations of Biden family corruption and criminality to include Mr. Joe Biden himself? In fact, we talked about that extensively on Wednesday. Well, here's what we know about that set of financial crimes as it relates to this gun charge. The Delaware special counsel who is leading this case is a fellow named David Weiss. He has said that he continues to investigate both the gun and tax matters. In fact, back in August, he said that he might bring tax charges against Hunter, possibly in California or Washington, D.C., but it's not clear to what extent the investigation into these uh, various Biden tax matters will include Joe Biden and his connection to all these various foreign shenanigans as well. So more to come on this story, ladies and gentlemen, because as I shared with you on Wednesday, it is quite obvious that we have both direct and circumstantial evidence of Biden family corruption, and that includes Joe Biden as well. And that is, in fact, very, very clear. However, the odds of a fair and impartial investigation into this issue, well, that is not so clear. More to come. With that, we turn to our second report of the morning. The clock is ticking, ladies and gentlemen. Two weeks from today, the U.S. government will shut down its operations, or at least limit them anyway, because of a lack of funding. And that is because Congress has only authorized enough money for the government's full operation through September 30th. And that means that congressional Democrats and Republicans have to agree on a new budget deal or an extension of the current one. And many House Republicans say that they are not interested in that kind of deal or extension. Right? Their argument is that spending in this country is just out of control and it is a growing threat to the nation. So they say, anyway, it's time to tighten the fiscal belt to stop extending or delaying the needed solutions to solve this federal fiscal problem. So let's talk about whether or not these folks are right. right? Do we need to tighten the belt? And we're going to focus on facts and data. Let's start with this. Last week, a government watchdog noted that the U.S. deficit would double this year to a shocking $2 trillion. That is up from $1 trillion from last year. Meanwhile, the Congressional Budget Office confirmed the exact same thing yesterday, putting us on track, ladies and gentlemen, for a $52 trillion national debt by the year 2033. But here's a headline that is often buried in that data. Interest payments on that debt just this year, my goodness, they were up way up, $149 billion. That is a 30% increase year over year. And that is all because interest rates are in fact going up as well. So to help us understand this, let's use an analogy. It is, it's as though we have a national credit card and we have been using it just like a bunch of gangbusters with 0% introductory rate. But now that rate is expiring and it is popping up to 5% and growing Plus, we've got that huge balance to boot. So keeping that in mind, let us now consider this additional piece of data. So also this week, the Congressional Budget Office noted that the U.S. government is collecting less tax revenue 
down 19 to 37%, depending on the tax. So going back to our analogy, we've got credit card payments and interest rates. They are going up. At the very same time, our paychecks are going down, getting smaller. And that is bad, at least according to a former Treasury Secretary of President Barack Obama, plus assorted U.S. senators and many of those House Republicans, who, by the way, are being branded in the media and by Democrats as hardliners or MAGA extremists. But as the CBO and this Obama Treasury Secretary have all made clear, that's just not true. There is a debt crisis and it needs to be addressed. One last thing that we should talk about as it relates to this fiscal crisis, because it absolutely impacts your pocketbook too, folks. We need to talk about inflation. Those numbers came out this week, and they're not good for both consumers and manufacturers. And the bottom line is this. Inflation has suddenly popped higher instead of dropping lower. And that runs contrary to what the Federal Reserve has been trying to do over the past year. And that means that the feds might be tempted to push interest rates up even higher, you know, to get that inflation under control. And if they do, that's bad news for you and for me. To use our credit card analogy again, so not only have we lost our introductory credit card rate of 0%, you know, the rate that keeps getting higher, 5, 7, 8%, well, that is happening right as our paychecks, again, are getting smaller and... Prices for things like rent and gas are going up too. So all in all, if you put those things together, my goodness, we've got some bad news on the economic front. But then again, I probably don't need to tell you that, do I? That's because a poll out on Tuesday shows that only 34% of voters approve of Joe Biden's handling of the economy. Meanwhile, 76% of independent voters think that the economy is bad and getting worse. So those are all of the facts and data this morning on the economic picture of this country. Let me now pivot to my analysis and opinion. So this last poll that I mentioned and the broader economic news, well, let's talk about the political implications of it. It is an absolute disaster for Mr. Biden, for his reelection prospects and sort of the Democratic Party writ large. And that's because they are trying to sell you and your fellow Americans on this Biden economics or Bidenonomics. But so far, you all aren't buying the story because it appears as though you're not living that supposedly good news story. But party politics aside, this issue of budget deficits and this potential government shutdown in a couple of weeks, this should be an issue that unites us instead of dividing us. Because all the data say very clearly, we need some sort of deal to rein in spending. And we got to do it quickly. If I could use a, a historical analogy, the lights are flashing red across the board on this one. And the last thing that we need are a bunch of MAGA smears about you know who wants to solve this problem and why. Instead, we need DC to be deadly serious about this. So if you've got the time, here's what I would recommend. Reach out to your elected leaders in DC. Go to house.gov or senate.gov and make a bunch of calls. Send an email and tell your friends and family to do the same. And if you'd like, use the data and the transcripts from today to make your point, because the facts are on your side and the facts are very clear. We need people in D.C. to address this fiscal crisis, not as Republicans or Democrats, but as people who care about the future of this country. Because, my friends, that is what this is about. With that. 
Let's take our first break of the morning. For subscribers who are listening at rightreport.substack.com, thank you. Meanwhile, for my other loyal listeners, an equal thanks to you and enjoy the following messages, remembering that if you don't hear my voice telling you about a product or service, then I do not endorse it. We'll be right back. Folks, I've mentioned to you that to put this podcast together, I work upwards of 12 hours a day. Now, that doesn't leave me much time to cook. And that is why I have been so grateful for America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit called Factor. These meals come fresh, delivered right to your doorstep, and take two little minutes to eat. Now, if you are skeptical like I am, I was at first thinking, eh, this stuff is going to taste like airline food. But no, sir, no, ma'am, these Factor meal kits are good. And Factor has a wide variety of meals to choose from, folks, covering lunch and dinner and some very good breakfast options, too. Portion sizes, by the way, are appropriate and modest, making them perfect as a nice meal or a hearty snack for hungry guys like me. Bottom line, folks, you know that I take great care when endorsing products, and I sure do with this one. Factor is my go-to option for when I am just too darn busy to cook. That is why you must head to factormeals.com slash right five zero. Use that promo code right five zero and you're going to get 50% off. Again, that is factormeals.com slash W-R-I-G-H-T five zero. And you're going to go and get 50% off, folks. What a deal. Go there and get this stuff today. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our briefs this morning with a pivot towards international news. There are spies among us. At least that is the warning coming from our friends in the United Kingdom this morning, saying that the Chinese government and its spies have infiltrated their parliament. And they might be in an hour U.S. House and Senate as well. So here's what we know this morning with reporting from Newsweek, The Times, and the U.K.'s Daily Mail. And let's start with a refresh of our memories. Back on July 17th, I briefed you on a British investigation that documented a, quote, wholesale state assault by China on virtually every sector of UK society, end quote. In other words, the Chinese aren't just coming, they're here in London and they are taken over. Well, we're learning more this morning that China's assault on the United Kingdom includes infiltrating the UK government with spies as well. So here's what we are hearing from London. Back in the year 2021, and again last year, the UK's Conservative Party dropped two potential candidates from becoming members of Parliament after the UK's spy service, called MI5, warned that those two candidates were likely recruited agents of Chinese intelligence. Well, in response, the Conservative Party did what they probably should have, right? They dropped those members from consideration. And that certainly was a big deal for them and the country. So this alarming news, of course, comes on top of what we might not know or remember. Last March, there was an arrest of a staffer in the British Parliament who was working for, at the time, the chairman of what we might call the Foreign Affairs Committee. Well, apparently this researcher was also working for the Chinese government. Now, I know that this broader news of the Chinese infiltrating all sorts of sectors of an economy or government, it's not going to come as a surprise to you all, folks at the right report. That's because we speak frequently of the Chinese threat and how pervasive it is. But if I may, just to underline the point, the U.S. Department of Defense on Tuesday declassified its assessment, saying that China is our biggest cyber security threat and 
that China has launched a secret operation in this country trying to recruit former and current members of the armed forces. So all of that, of course, is bad news, both in the UK and here in the United States. But I'll tell you, here's why I'm bringing this to you this morning. British press and their national security experts are are saying to us, ladies and gentlemen, well, they're giving us a warning. They are saying that if China is trying to recruit their staff and their members of British Parliament, well, then Beijing is likely trying to do the same in the United States as well. And I must say that those warnings are very much appropriate and accurate. For instance, we already have evidence that the Chinese have recruited spies or tried to in at least the CIA the U.S. military, the Federal Reserve, and the Department of Homeland Security, to just name a few over the past few years. We also know this. There is a U.S. senator who had a likely Chinese spy as a senior member of her staff. That would be Diane Feinstein of California. Plus, we know this. After a year-long investigation into other California politicians, we know that an untold number were intimately involved with and engaged with a Chinese spy with the infamous name of Fang Fang. She was a Democrat fundraiser in California. It was a serial uh, girlfriend to numerous mayors and county officials and, critically, a member of the House of Representatives, a man named Eric Swalwell. Now, here's what's interesting, I think, about Fang Fang. After she fled the United States to escape arrest, an investigator at the time said, quote, she was just one of lots of agents trying to target U.S. politicians, end quote. So, ladies and gentlemen, that suggests that other U.S. politicians are in Beijing's crosshairs as well. It is not just Mr. Swalwell, and it is not just Dianne Feinstein. So those are the facts and data coming to us from the United Kingdom this morning on Well, what appears to be a global phenomenon of China using cash and, um, well, certain ladies of poor reputation to entrap and recruit U.S. personnel and politicians, all for the benefit of the communist regime. Let me now pivot to my analysis and opinion on all that. So on one hand, this isn't exactly shocking nor unexpected, and that is because all countries spy, even the U.S., or so I hear. And speaking of, I've also heard that the current CIA director, William Burns, is telling the world that we are recruiting lots of Chinese informants, too, sitting inside the communist regime in Beijing. Yeah, incredibly, he told the press that back in July. He was responding to a question about, well, a story of Chinese informants in Beijing many years ago that were working for the CIA, and they suddenly started to disappear or die. That happened about 10 years ago. Well, when uh, that Mr. D- Director Burns was asked about that, he responded that, quote, we've made progress in rebuilding those networks, end quote. Well, confirming that was not especially smart, Beijing then announced that it would redouble its efforts to find those spies in Beijing and bring them to justice. So great work there. But the point is this. Spy wars are a normal course of international affairs, but it is a war that we can't afford to lose. Our spies have to be better and more plentiful. And we have to catch Chinese spies that are operating in our midst, in our Capitol Hill, because we have to win this. But we have a problem. It is the FBI that is the agency in charge of finding those Chinese spies at the Pentagon, the CIA, Capitol Hill, maybe even the White House. So I ask you, do you trust that the FBI is doing its job? 
to find those spies on Capitol Hill or out at Langley or at the White House? Well, as you think about your answer to that question, let's just say, hypothetically, that the FBI finds one, that they find a Chinese spy on Capitol Hill. Well, would you believe that that, in fact, is the case and that the investigation into it was legitimate if the suspect is a conservative or a Republican? Well, as you wrestle with that question, if your answer is no, that you wouldn't trust the FBI, well, I don't blame you. And that's because you have facts on your side to be a bit suspicious. So let's remind ourselves of two things. First, special counsel John Durham said last year in a very scathing report that the DOJ and FBI lacked, quote, strict fidelity to the law, end quote. Of course, he was referring to the fact that they were targeting former President Donald Trump and his team back when they were in office and during that 2016 campaign. Plus, second, we have a report from the Inspector General of the DOJ about a former FBI director, James Comey. That report confirmed that Comey leaked classified sensitive information to the press based only on his personal politics, a personal agenda to destroy President Trump. And that Comey leak, that that, uh, personal vendetta, that illegality, it, quote, set a dangerous example for the over 35,000 current FBI employees and the many thousands more former FBI employees, end quote. Again, that came from the IG's report. So my point is this. We have very clear evidence that your DOJ and FBI are not acting in good faith. They are not upholding the law without fear or favor. Instead, they are targeting politicians and political parties that they simply don't like. So back to our original question. If the FBI arrests a conservative or a Republican for being a Chinese spy, will you believe that that investigation was legitimate? Well, I can't answer that question for you, obviously. But as for me, the answer is I cannot trust the FBI because the facts and data tell me that that would be a very unwise decision. And that is incredibly bad. We need, desperately need, a reputable law enforcement, a federal law enforcement agency to smoke these Chinese spies out in D.C. and ultimately safeguard the republic. But we don't have that kind of agency. We have, well, what appears to be a a partisan hit squad running amok. And I'll tell you, That is one more reason, folks, why this next election is so important. We need new leadership in these agencies and new staff from top to bottom. And that only comes with new leadership, starting at the White House. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I've got one more thing before I let you go. We'll be right back. Folks, if there were ever a product that you should consider, man, this is it. Jace Medical. They provide an emergency supply of prescriptions and antibiotics. And here's why you should consider them. As listeners know, I have spoken about how China and India control most of our prescription drugs, including antibiotics. Well, what happens if a war should break out over, say, Taiwan or maybe a pandemic again? Well, we all know what happens. Our supplies of critical products get interrupted. And that is not acceptable if your life depends on it. So that is why I am proud to tell you about jacemedical.com. And here's how it works. You fill out a simple form at j a 
SEMedical.com. Then you speak with a board-certified physician. And within days, your order arrives at your home for emergency use. And I'll tell you, this is not for casual use, folks. Talk to your normal doctors for sniffles and such. This is for emergency use, with potency lasting for years, should the worst ever come. So, friends, go to jacemedical.com, enter promo code RIGHT, that is W-R-I-G-H-T, and you will get a discounted order. Again, that is promo code RIGHT at jasemedical.com. Hurricane season is upon us with all eyes on Hurricane Lee this morning, which means that the time to prepare is right now. And to be prepared, you should order emergency food kits and supplies from 4Patriots.com. Their long-lasting and tasty food options are specifically designed to provide you and your loved ones with the sustenance you need when you need it the most. And that's because 4Patriots survival food kits are hand-packed. In the United States, they last for upwards of 25 years. They include a wide variety of breakfasts and lunches and dinners, and they are backed by thousands of five-star customer reviews. But I should say that 4Patriots, they're ready for you even after hurricane season. You can use 4Patriot survival foods after, say, a temporary power outage or hmm, Chinese invasion or in a couple of months, a winter blizzard. But I'll tell you, with four Patriots sitting on your shelf, none of that matters. You are ready for whatever comes your way. And right now, you can go to fourpatriots.com and use promo code RIGHT, that's my last name, W-R-I-G-H-T, and you will get 10% off your first order. So go to fourpatriots.com, that is the number fourpatriots.com. Use that promo code RIGHT, W-R-I-G-H-T, and you're going to get that 10% off your first order. Again, that is for patriots.com and go there, ladies and gentlemen, today. Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. It is a listener question today sent to us from one of my paid subscribers at rightreport.substack.com. Samantha in Tallahassee, Florida, beautiful place, by the way. She wrote in after the episode that I offered you all on September the 11th, and she wanted to know this. How did religion play a role during my time at the CIA? Because the war on terror involved such a profound focus on Islam and political Islam. So, Samantha, I love this question. And the answer is yes. Many religions, actually, played a role in my career. So let's start with those early days. In the first couple of years, right after 9-11, Islam was something that I and we had to learn a lot about. And through that process... My goodness, not only did I learn a lot, I also met some wonderful people, some really incredible friends and co-workers who were Muslim. And that included a very senior CIA officer who was in charge of our counterterrorism operations. He was a, a Shia Muslim. And I'll tell you, he earned his nickname. It was Prince of Darkness. He killed a lot of people around the world, terrorists. And then when I got into the field, I recruited folks who were Muslim, and they were Muslims who were very angry that extremists had hijacked what they said was their religion of peace. And I will tell you, they were absolutely incredible agents, and they did incredible things that kept this country safe and put a lot of bad dudes six feet under or turned them into clouds of pink mist. And then <laughs> there was one guy, a guy that professed to be this very pious, religious, devoted follower of Islam. And he also loved 
to smoke and drink and booze and chase women and gamble and do drugs <laughs> and just a slew of things that do not properly describe a devout follower of Islam. So one day I asked him, my brother, I've noticed that you enjoy this, these various things, um, but how exactly do you square that uh, with being a pious Muslim? To which he said, oh, Abu Din, which, by the way, that was my uh, nickname. Abu Din, the eyes of Allah do not see outside my homeland. <laughs> which was just so great. Oh. Well, apparently, <clears throat> what I learned was that uh, if God, it appears, uh, has cataracts in Islam. And uh, according to this guy, uh, God cannot see outside of the Middle East. And uh, thus, it is okay to sin so long as you're not home. And that is... <laughs> I'm not sure how the theology on that works, but it's uh, it's quite something. <clears throat> anyway, he was not alone in his view of doing uh, sneaky things outside of uh, the homeland. In the very early days of the war on terror, I uh, triaged the laptops and cell phones that we grabbed during uh, the raids on various Islamic radicals. And after looking through all that stuff, I will simply say this to you. These were some naughty, naughty boys. So later in my career, I engaged with folks who were Buddhist. Uh, I interacted with and worked with very closely folks who were Jewish and those who had no religion at all. And I enjoyed working with everybody and learning about all those different cultures because I found that they enriched me and my own thinking and challenged me oftentimes. And as those relationships developed, I, I discovered that as we spoke about our God or the divine, we spoke about how we're called to be better, to do better, and that we should stand up to bad stuff. And that religious motivations, I found that those were a very important set of rationales for some of the agents that I worked with or handled and recruited. They wanted this world to be better because of their faith. And that was a pretty beautiful thing to, to, to work with and, and to be around. One final note for you, something that you might not know the CIA has a pretty large percentage of officers who are Mormon, and they would jokingly refer to each other as the Mormon Mafia, and how the CIA, to them, was like a, a big dating organization. It was a clearinghouse for husbands and wives. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, and by the way, uh, for my Mormon listeners this morning, if you didn't know that, well, now you do. And if you're single, well, applications can be found at CIA.gov. Folks, if you would like me to introduce you to a single Mormon, you kidding. Folks, if you would like me to answer one of your questions on this podcast, it's very easy to do. Either donate via my Stripe account, which you will find a link for in the show notes. Just make sure you leave a, an email and I'll be in touch. Otherwise, go to writereport.substack.com, sign up. And at the bottom of each day's Substack post, you can leave me a comment or ask me a question. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you on Monday, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day.